Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I am honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode 38 of season one of This Osteopathic Life. Joining you today on the first full moon of this new year and new decade. It's hard to believe 10 days have already passed in this new year. I returned to Southern Oregon from our time in Michigan over the winter holidays and getting back integrated into the routine and rhythm of daily life and hope the same is true for you. My time back in Michigan was spent with regular visits, I think nearly daily, to the lakeshore, to the inland lake in town, to the bay of Lake Michigan, and even to the rivers and creeks that run within the city itself. And I've always kind of identified or felt nurtured by water, and I've had a number of conversations this past week about different astrological phenomena and there's always an inquiry about what is your sign and mine is Aquarius which is not a water sign it's actually an air sign but it's a water symbol and represents a fresh new start and thankfully for me is the 11th sign in the zodiac so it aligns well with my favorite number and the symbol is water flowing from the water bearer's jug meaning ever-flowing spiritual energy. And I'll admit fully that I'm very much a novice and don't have a lot of experience in the astrological realm. But I appreciate reading this and thinking about how it feels for me to be by the water, the sense of renewal. We think about in this season as our days are dark for quite a long time, although we've turned the corner and we're gaining some minutes of light every day, the impact of seasonal affective disorder in the need for exposure to light and the power of the sun. And I can see that, and there's certainly a shift in mood and feelings on days where the sky is blue and the sun is visible. But for me, I've always felt that sense of health and restoration and rejuvenation from water. So even in the darkest days of winter, I think about last winter, for example, and I'll have to find a link to the report, but as they did an analysis in the month of November in Northwest Michigan where we were living, they calculated nine hours of sunlight exposure in the whole month. And that can lead to a lot of challenges for many people. And for me, As long as I visited the water frequently, daily, ideally, or at least a few times a week, 
I didn't notice as significant of an impact of that shift in the weather. And I began to explore more about this power that water holds. And as the events of these past two two weeks have transpired, it's led me to explore this even more deeply. And something that happened most recently, this past weekend, on our return back to Oregon, was the implementation of new equipment in our gym. So by midday to afternoon, I'm in clinical practice in neuromusculoskeletal medicine and osteopathic manipulative medicine. But in the before and after hours, I am the owner and coach of a CrossFit affiliate called CrossFit Inconceivable here in Ashland, Oregon. And I happen to be neighbors with a gentleman who has worked in exercise physiology and has raced for various Team USAs in rowing and rafting. And he's also a developer of equipment. And he has created a line of equipment called Fluid Power Zone. And it utilizes water as a resistance force for training. And as we went through our orientation to this equipment. We implemented it into our gym last week. It was interesting to me first to just pause with the name, Fluid Power Zone, and thinking about some of the topics we've explored over the past year and even in these most recent weeks with the podcast, looking at those words and what they mean literally for that equipment and what they can mean on a broader scale as we look at health and our own engagement in our lives. And I'll pause with the power because we've talked about that most recently. And the interesting piece, looking at power utilizing water resistance as the method of developing or expressing power is that the resistance in the amount of effort in the essentially amount of strength engaged with the equipment is equal to the force placed against the water. So for example, there's a rower. We often think about rowing ergometers and most commonly they have a chain and they use air as their resistance. But this particular rower uses fluid water as you would if you were rowing in a boat on the water. And it's as hard as you make it. You know, so there are levels of resistance and you can change the amount of water that's moving through the blades in the unit. But regardless, whatever level you're at, however hard you pull against it is going to be the amount of work that you're generating and how difficult it will be. And I think about this often with patients and I'll talk to them about it when we look at treatment styles and response to treatment and I spend a lot of time treating in the fluid with patients, and there's often very little force. And my comparison, my metaphor, is often that it's like nudging a boat into the current. And it often just takes a little nudge, and actually the harder you push, the less that boat is going to move. And finding your way into that zone, that sweet spot where you can match the needs of the body and find that place where it can float easily into the fluid. 
as we went around this circuit, there were six pieces of equipment and six uh, my staff, including me, were utilizing them. We didn't change the resistance on any of them. And we all have very different levels of maximal power capacity, maximal one rep maxes for lifts. And yeah, we all use this equipment to the best of our ability to the maximum output we had in that moment without changing any dials or making any of their adjustments. And so it's interesting to see that utilizing fluid or water as the medium, it was very adaptable to any of us. And it met us where we were on that day in that moment with the amount of force that we were willing and able to apply and gave us each the workout that we needed or wanted or were capable of in that moment. And thinking about fluid power zones in the rest of our life, and particularly in osteopathic treatment, was fascinating to me as I explored some different quotes about fluid and thought about how I've related to the treatment of patients throughout my career. And it's certainly evolved, you know, over this past dozen or so years of working in osteopathic medicine. But there are also some pieces that were there from the beginning and that I now can maybe recognize or pay homage to or understand more clearly. But the sense of them was there from the beginning. And I'm going to move into a few quotes from some key osteopathic leaders of the past and think about what that means for the relationship with water and its capacity of our health on a greater level. The first two are from William Garner Sutherland, who's known as the father of cranial osteopathy or osteopathy in the cranial field, as it is often referenced. And the first is this, Dr. Still, again, founder of osteopathic medicine in the United States, envisioned the cerebral spinal fluid as an intermediary in the movement of divine intelligence, a channeling of creation into embryological segments and irrigating them with life, giving form and function and order and intelligence to our existence. Think about all the power in that fluid. And cerebral spinal fluid is the fluid that's enclosed in our central nervous system. And it was thought by many to be kind of inert. And Dr. Still, as referenced by Dr. Sutherland, is noting that it's moving all of the intelligent capacity of our cells, recognizing kind of the embryological origins and all the intelligence that lies within that, bringing life, form, function, order, and intelligence to our existence. So think about the power and the potency that's given to that one specific fluid, and that being the fluid that we tune into when we talk about cranial treatments and seeing the health of the patient. Also from Dr. Sutherland, within that cerebral spinal fluid, there is an invisible element that I refer to as the, quote, breath of life, end quote. I want you to visualize this breath of life as a fluid within this fluid, something that does not mix, something that has potency as the thing that makes it move. Is it necessary to know what makes the fluid move? Visualize a potency, an intelligent potency, that is more intelligent than your own human mentality. And this is something that leads to various levels of discussion with patients and colleagues alike. 
where we recognize that our work is in kind of tapping into, setting free, acknowledging, honoring, augmenting, nurturing the body's capacity for health. And thinking about the grand design of the body on all levels, mechanically, you know, you look at the bones and the muscles and the nerves. And as we dive deeper and consider the fluid and fluid in all parts of the body, but here again, referring specifically to the cerebral spinal fluid, how much intelligence and direction, right? What created this fully fledged, fully grown, mature body from the original cells? And where does that still exist in the body? And how can we tap into that? Because we know that it's greater than our limited human capacity. It exists on a deeper level. And if it can be allowed to express itself more freely and fully, the options and the opportunities for healing are so much greater. And this from Anne Wales, who was a student of Sutherland. A successful response from the cerebral spinal fluid is an intensified interchange between all the fluids of the body. It is definitely evident that the reaction is systemic and includes the whole body, even within the bones. And so taking it that step further and recognizing the relationship of fluid in all parts of the body and that with the successful treatment, with a positive engagement with the central nervous system and the cerebral spinal fluid, there's a shift in all fluids of the body are impacted and perhaps they're capacity, their potency is enhanced. And this, to me, is where some of the greatest power in osteopathic medicine and use of manipulative treatment lies. And this is something that took me some time to understand what it was that I was feeling. And I've talked about this before, you know, trained in a relatively mechanical system, and I could relate to the treatments, but it always seemed like there was something on a deeper level going on. And as I moved into some of my later training, I had teachers who gave me verbiage for that. As I continued to explore, you know, fluid remains that powerful message and medium internally and also interestingly, externally, when I think about where I've had some of the greatest success in learning osteopathic treatment and participating in courses, I happen to be on the three-year anniversary today of a course I took in Maui, led by a German osteopath, Tom Esser. And I was one of two Americans on the course with other German students. And the course took place literally on the shore. You know, our tables were in wet sand on the shore of the ocean, and we conducted our lectures and our treatment sessions there. And those are some of the most powerful transformative experiences that I've had in osteopathic medicine. And I think recognizing there as well, that relationship of us retreating in the fluid internally, but also seeing where that relationship expands from the cerebral spinal fluid out into the body and from the body out into the world on that shoreline, you know, partnering with the energy of the ocean. So as I explore this, as life tends to do in drawing interesting corollaries. Also during winter break, I had the opportunity to go and see Frozen 2 with my daughter and my mother. 
And if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. Whatever age you are, children or no children, I think the message is fantastic on multiple levels. But the line of the movie that spoke to me most powerfully was that water has memory. And I won't make any spoilers if there are people out there who still haven't seen it. But looking for answers in the water, understanding that there's retention of experience in water, and they play this out in the film, but as I investigated it in preparation for this podcast, I pulled up articles, and these were a couple years old, uh, one from 2015, um, some from 2016, and I'll put the links in the show notes, where scientists have demonstrated the memory of water. And perhaps the one that I hope you'll take the time to watch, there's a link in resonancescience.org, and there's a video within it that's about just under three minutes long that's looking at the memory of water and the impact of human engagement with water, the impact of objects in the contents of water on the expression of the droplets. And it's really quite fascinating. And if we think about all the places in our life that we interact with water, consuming it, swimming in it, using it for cleaning, hoping for it to fall down as rain in places that are suffering from drought, areas where the levels are so high that shorelines are being eroded and homes are falling into the water. And looking at how we feel during those interactions with water and knowing, realizing that there's retention of that experience in the water itself and we can change the way the droplets look, you know, the quality of the fluid. And that's an external interaction with water. Think about that on a deeper level of all the fluid that we have in our body, cerebral spinal fluid as just one, but maybe the most potent version. And thinking about how our interactions with the world around us are changing the expression of the fluid in our body. And that means fluid within cells, the fluid that's holding cells, thinking about gene expression and what that can mean for how our body is managing disease, how it's able to approach and adjust in accordance to pain, how it's able to recover from workouts or illnesses or stresses, you know, even just with our mindset, how that can change the fluid within us. If it can have this profound of an effect, if you watch the video of the fluid outside of us. And one of the examples is a variety of people taking droplets of the same glass of water and putting them onto a slide, and they look very different from person to person, but very consistent, the same drops from the same person. And in a separate article, they also talk about how the thoughts held by a person would change the way the water droplets look. And so I would challenge us to think about the impact that we are having and we think about our thoughts and feelings and how we can control them, but think of them from a slightly different vantage point in the power we have with our thoughts, our feelings, and our actions on fluid 
that we interact with, most importantly, within us, and how that's changing our cellular expression. So if we're looking to optimize health and mitigate and minimize disease, there's a tremendous amount of power in our thoughts around it, in our mindset, and what we're exposing ourselves to. You know, so the intake of visual from media and the world around us is also changing that expression, you know, on the regular. As soon as that information is coming in, it's changing how that fluid can look and what that means for our health. And so the idea of water having memory and also water's engagement, you know, with our moods, with our feelings, with our exposures, and what that can mean for overall health was kind of mind-blowing to me and fully inspired by this investigation of a quote from Olaf in the movie Frozen 2. So I encourage us to think about that and to consider where the opportunity lies and perhaps where the answers to some of the challenges, you know, if our health is not at a level where we might want it, thinking about what's happening on a day-to-day basis that's impacting the expression of our body from within and our relationship to the world outside of us. Thinking about that as well in how we engage with and approach bodies of water externally. And I admit it's been challenging for me to live in an area that's relatively dry. You know, there are very few lakes around me immediately. You can drive to them and the mountain lakes are quite beautiful. We do have some of the most amazing rivers for rafting here in Southern Oregon. But not having that immediate medium of the large open water, the open horizon, and the ability to go to the side of the water and kind of express thoughts. And perhaps, now looking at it from this perspective, it's the idea that there's this tide and this movement away that's kind of cleansing. And I can take that thought with me to simply the creek in town, you know, this moving water that's coming down from the mountains and moving through and taking up information as it goes. And how can I interact with that on a way that's therapeutic for me and positive for this amazing resource that needs to be protected and preserved? You know, living in a land that has less rainfall and is more subject to wildfires as parts of the world are facing them than ever had before, you know, it's important to think about what our relationship is with the water in the world around and within us and how we can engage with that in an effective way. So the takeaway points that I'd like to focus on for myself and to offer to you as encouragement in this week going forward, come back to looking at fluid power zone and considering our role in the amount of force we put into a system and the amount of resistance we receive back and looking to see what it is we're trying to achieve. Are we trying to gain strength? In which case we might put a lot of force in and accept the amount of resistance that comes back and power through because we're seeking to build strength in a system. If we're trying to move through more effectively and more efficiently, sometimes a lighter hand Less force is actually going to be more effective in allowing us to move through more quickly, <clears throat> excuse me, and easily, and not necessarily 
building as much strength, but making us more nimble and able to get through more effectively. Thinking about the rate at which we're able to participate and whether it's going to help us achieve the endurance and the persistence and the staying power that we need to be successful in various projects. Considering the relationship that we have with water, within our system, the potency that it has, and whether we are osteopathic physicians engaging in treatment, thinking about on what level we can be most effective with our patients, whether we are the patient and engaging in osteopathic treatment and listening for the response on a varied level, whether it's our relationship to the world and thinking about just that fluidity of our engagement with others, our fluidity of engagement with our own feelings and expectations and how we can do so in a more harmonious and therapeutic way. And the, the big takeaway for me from this week and what I would encourage you to explore, and again, check out the links in the show notes, is the power and the capacity for memory that water holds. And take that to whatever avenue and whatever arena in your life is in need of most examination. So that's externally, and you want to look at environmentally the impact of water and memories and engagement with the world around it, with the human interaction, with the water, with wildlife, with bodies of water engaging with one another. You know, what's changed from the origin of a river to its emptying into a lake or to an ocean? And thinking about all that it's been exposed to, both literally, you know, just elements and contaminants and creatures that are engaged but also what happens along the riverbanks and what is it taking in from those human experiences that are happening on the shores. And if you're willing to think about the fluid engagement internally and what can be expressed, how we can alter the expression of cells in both a positive and a negative fashion. So certainly it can be overwhelming thinking about all the potential detriments that we might be taking in that could be expressing in a negative way in our bodies, but also the opportunity that we have to begin shifting first and foremost with our mindset and our approach to our thoughts and feelings and actions and how that's impacting the fluid in the cells in our body toward the health and also our external exposures and what they might be causing internally and how we can make better choices and at least acknowledge when we might be exposing ourselves to things that are having a negative impact on our health and move forward in a more positive way. So that's the recording for this week. I thank you for joining me for your time as we round out this first year of the This Osteopathic Life podcast. I encourage you to find the podcast on the podcast app or in iTunes, like, follow, rate, and review, and look for some changes in the context and collaborations going into the new year of this osteopathic life. May you enjoy the full moon this evening and 
find the power and the memory in the water around and within you. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening.